0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Vinyl Community Podcasts. I'm your host Rob from the YouTube channel Northern Revolutions. I'm joined again today by another fellow YouTube uh, Vinyl Community content creator, I guess is what you would call <laughs> us, um, but a new guest this time. My good friend Sam St. John, welcome Sam. Thank you, Rob. Sam and I have. Uh, collaborated on a number of things over on youtube over the course of the last couple years we do a a weekly uh live chat with our good friend glenn calloway and uh have done a number of things together and i invited sam on uh to do an episode of the podcast with me because um i think we have a a number of things that we could talk about but today the idea was actually sam's we're gonna we're gonna chat about what i'm i'm calling generational uh record collecting so sort of um, the role that uh those that came before us have played in in shaping our our musical tastes and our collecting habits and that kind of thing so sam if you uh you know for those that uh haven't seen you on on youtube and by the way we'll we'll leave a link in the description um for sam's channel but um sort of by way of introduction Sam is a lot more than a record collector Sam is a music fan if I've ever met one he plays guitar he sings he is an avid concert goer uh and kind of a a pretty pretty big music collector you want to take a minute or two and just sort of introduce yourself to folks and sort of paint the picture of of what what music means to Sam
1: yeah uh so, again, um, for those that don't know, like, like Rob was saying, um, I do have a YouTube channel that I started in the, the depths of COVID when we were all very bored and were tired of talking to the same people. And I've always enjoyed talking to music, talking about music with friends. I mean, the few friends that I have that actually you know care at all about any kind of music collecting. Um, and even then, not to the same extent that I do. I, I've, I wanted this outlet through YouTube um, to to talk to folks and meet people like Rob like like our friend Glenn that was mentioned earlier, you know dozens others. and that's really become a, a prime means of me getting you know my two cents into the, into the ring. But like Rob was kind of mentioning, I, I've, I've played guitar since 2006. Um, so for me, again, I'm 29 years old. Um, I was in seventh grade. When I first started playing, it was classical guitar in and in a small group of students um, locally from my hometown. Took guitar for two years, got really bored with classical guitar, um, moved to just playing whatever I felt like playing on my guitar. But that's the thing. I only had a nylon string up until my sophomore year of college where I bought my Martin, which is for anybody that. Sees my channel or anything. That's the guitar that I predominantly play, um, which will be 10 years old in February. And that's kind of like really where like I really got a buzz for, for playing music. Um, I mean, I play gigs locally. I I go to concerts as much as I can. Um, Really since 2009 was when my first concert was, it was a Gordon Lightfoot concert um, with my parents. And thankfully I got to see Gordo a few months before he passed away.
0: Boy, you're lucky on that one. I, as a Canadian, I'm sad to say I never did get to see our national treasure.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great experience. Again, both times my dad was at, was at both shows, but um, music just has always played such a huge part of my life. I think music single-handedly got me through. I I always think of eighth grade. Um, I, I transferred schools. It was a school that was a very, very strict curriculum, um, I, you know, left everything else behind, went to the school and it was just so, so difficult. And I always point to the the album Traveling Wilburys volume one as the album that got me through just intense nights of homework, laying in my bed sleepless because I was afraid that I forgot something for homework. And then putting that CD into the little boom box that I had beside my, my bed and just listening to Traveling Wilburys on repeat um, got me, you know, it, it gave me so much peace and um that's kind of where my musical blueprint for for rock and roll was really cemented i mean i listened to other stuff like everybody else like the beatles greatest hits and beach boys and also listened to crooners that my dad liked but the traveling oldberries volume one was really the album that just expanded my full horizon to the world (laughs) was there
0: a was there an album or a song or a was there, was there like a sort of a flashpoint moment that you just kind of opened the floodgates and you sort of dove in? I mean, I know for me, it, there certainly was. Or was it just kind of a gradual
1: osmosis kind of thing? Uh, it was a gradual osmosis to a point. Again, I mean I, – Grew up listening. My dad loved you know Tony Bennett and Sinatra, and so like those were on repeat all the time. Um, my mom was kind of more into the songwriters, so like we had like um, like Kenny Loggins was playing a lot. Like I remember like the house of house at Pooh Corner, the Loggins and Messina tune. My parents sang to me when I was a little kid, so like I, I knew those types of songs. But again, other than Trevor and Wilberry's Volume One, the the moment that I specifically remember, my mind just being absolutely blown. And I mean, I know it's a podcast, but um, for those that don't know, I'm showing Abbey Road. Uh, When I first heard this album, the part that really just blew my mind, and I've talked about it a lot, is during the um, carry that weight portion of the medley where Paul goes back to you never give me your money. I had never heard that in an album where a a theme was was, you know, brought back into the fold. And so I remember sitting in my floor again, it was one of the 2009 George Martin remixes. I listened to it and I thought, good grief, I've never heard anything like that before. And that was the moment where I was like, I need to get everything that the Beatles did. I bought all of those 2009 reissues for the Beatles. I had the Beatles rock band, which was another huge factor for me getting into the deep cuts of the Beatles. So that was like the moment, again, it got me into the Beatles. Again, I knew about the Beatles. I had Beatles one. That was a huge album for me growing up from 1999, I think, or 2000. But from that moment where I heard Abbey road and that light, that's when it just, it it took off. And again, I could say everything has trickled from For me, the years 2008 and 2009 were like, you know, I was 13, 14. That's when I was hit. I think that's when a lot of people are hit with that musical itch. It's kind of like that music that lays that cornerstone of where you're going to take off from there is when you're a young teenager. It's 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 it's
0: appropriate that you mentioned that you know your aha moment was abbey road this is one and i've told this story and i'll tell it again because i only get like, mentioned it on the podcast before but this is one of those instances where our music journeys yours and mine match up pretty succinctly abbey road was was the aha moment for me too and 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 about 14 years old now the difference yeah. is i'm 46 you're 29 so uh for me 14 year old me was like early 90s i don't know math wise i think it'd be 94 ish i guess my dad and we're going to talk about our dads in a moment uh a little more in depth but my dad was a, a big music fan and uh this w- was right around i guess when cds were really starting to you know become the dominant format and um Dad had just purchased some new speakers For the stereo at home And he put on his CD copy of Abbey Road Which he'd had for a few years But had never really paid attention And I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday Mom and I were in the kitchen Doing dishes And dad put on Abbey Road And for some reason just I mean he played it quite loud Because he was getting, taking the new speakers out For a test drive so to speak But Something about hearing at that time, I actually paid attention and I was just enraptured by this, you know, sonic whatever it was. And, and it's funny that you mentioned carry that weight because, you know, I remember hearing everything. And then for some reason, when carry that weight came on, it was just like, boom, boom. I'm all in. Like I, I don't know what it was about that moment. And then to your point, you started gobbling up the Beatles. Well, that's exactly what I did. I did it, you know, 20 years, 15 years before you did, but kind of exactly the same way. So it's it's interesting that our our musical aha moments are almost identical. That's that's pretty uh pretty interesting to say the least. Um you mentioned and I mentioned our fathers. And that's kind of the core of this whole discussion today that, you know, we both come from, you know, uh, parents who were big music fans and, and music collectors and that sort of thing. My, my dad's presence looms very large and ever present in, Everything musical I do, whether it's listening to records, whether it's doing this YouTube thing, I, there's a picture of him on my wall, and I'm looking at him as I'm talking to you. He's ever present. Um, he's not around anymore; died 13 years ago, quite unexpectedly. But nonetheless, plays a massive role, and I assume yours does as well. Why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit about your dad? Sort of what, you know, what was he, or maybe it was your mom, or maybe it was both what What was your parental influence and how did that kind of shape you as a as a music fan or or as a as a collector
1: definitely definitely both I've got to give them both a lot of props because they both came from different worlds musically, and it's interesting and my dad will be the first to tell you now I mean, my dad is sixty now um he'd be the first to say a lot of the music that he was kind of like you know kind of thumbed his nose up at. Is now stuff that he likes because I reintroduced it to him. I was going to ask you that question a little bit later on, and maybe we'll circle back to that. That's yeah, it. we can go back. We can go back to it. Um, but like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, when I was a kid growing up, um, dad was he was all into like big bands. Like I associate big band music with um, summertime because we listened to big band all the time, and he, he had you know. Um, Tex Beneke and Artie Shaw and you know Gersh like Gershwin tunes and and you know obviously like early Sinatra when he was playing with the big bands. So we listened to a lot of that. His favorite singer is Sinatra. Um he saw Sinatra the day after I me mean, not Sinatra. He saw um Tony Bennett the day after I was born. He was supposed to go with my mom. Obviously she was in the hospital. She um had a C-section for me. Um, when, when I was born and so he took one of his good buddies, she said, go and, you know, go see Tony Bennett show. So he saw him locally. He ended up seeing Tony two or three times. So that's, that's kind of the world that dad was in, but also, I mean, dad grew up in Southern Virginia where I'm from. I'm in Virginia. Um, his brother was listening to stuff like um, the Rolling Stones and CCR and Skinner and stuff like that. You know, like the, the, the working man's kind of rock and roll, you know, in the seventies. And, you know, on the other side of things, my mom, my mom worked at a, a summer camp for many years as a, as a late teen and, you know, in her early twenties. So she was obviously around a lot of like the campfire kind of songs. I mean, she, you know, was listening to John Denver and John Prine and, um, she also was listening to, you know, Tom Petty and, um, things like that. And, and she was also from college. She loved, you know, like, uh, the Bee Gees, but also liked Tom Waits. So she was listening to all this stuff that I wasn't introduced to until much later, but I didn't realize she already knew about that stuff until, you know, I was 17, 18 years old. So both of those worlds growing up, you know, they obviously had crossover. I mean, the Beatles, but even the Beatles, My dad was always like – he liked them up to a point. Like he loves She Loves You. He thinks Ringo's drums on She Loves You. I think that's his favorite Beatles song because of Ringo's drumming on it. And he loves it. But dad kind of was of the mindset up until a point, up until recently, probably around the help era. That's when dad kind of stopped listening because he didn't didn't care about the psych stuff. He didn't care about Strawberry Fields. And mom, I mean, she, she knew the hits, but she was never really a a big Beatles person. I mean, she, again, she loved James Taylor and Prine and people like that. Um, Petty. And so those early days of listening to stuff, you know, like John Denver's greatest hits or Frank Sinatra, that was huge for me. Cause again, here I am, you know, five, six years old knowing, you know, about Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett and, you know, uh, also here in John Denver and stuff like that. So that that was huge for me um, as, a, as a little little kid. And we can go into further details later. But that's kind of that pr- basic parental groundwork when I was really young. When I when I grew up,
0: uh, music was sort of ever present in our household. And I sit and I I look at my record collection, and you know it doesn't. Look too dissimilar from what our living room looked like when I was a kid. There was a big, you know, a stereo on a big shelf, and there had to be four or 500 records. My collection's a little larger, but you know, dad probably <laughs> had four or 500 albums back then. And his stereo, and he was always buying new stereo equipment. Like I remember he, his last stereo he bought in like 1995. I still use it to this day. It is my my turntable's different, but I still have dad's wow. stereo. The speakers that he bought that blew my mind with Abbey Road. They're my floor speaker sitting at the <laughs> other end of the room. Like, so, and I have, I have some of his albums, but music was always a thing. I don't recall mom ever being a music fan. Like she was just like, whatever dad was listening to cool. Uh, but dad, When I think of my dad, I think of music before, I mean, other than he's my dad. When I think of the thing that defines him, it was music. He was such a music fan, loved music, had a ton of records, jumped on the CD thing, uh, you know, in the late 80s when it was still relatively new, went to a ton of concerts. He's a lot like Glenn in that, you know, our, our friend Glenn Calloway, who has seen everybody in concert. My dad was kind of the same way. He saw a lot of people in concert that I would just – I would kill for that opportunity, but I'm, yeah. I'm far too young. My dad was, I guess, kind of like your uncle in that my dad was listening to stuff like Clapton and, you know, Cream and Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac and Credence and Santana and, you know, that kind of Steppenwolf and – um you know, that kind of stuff. Also, there was some jazz, which I I never got into, but he was, uh, like a seventies kind of rock and roll guy born in 48, but there was never, uh, a Frank Sinatra or anything like that. It was Mm -hmm. like, you know, seventies rock and roll. And that's really where, where my sort of foundation, uh, came from and I think really influenced what I listened to, much like you say the stuff that your mother listened to knowing you as I do is a, a lot of what you listen to these days. So did, uh, would you call your, your mom or your dad, were they were they collectors or they just music fans and you sort of got into the, because I think there's a difference between someone who's a music fan and then someone who has a problem like us and we're collectors that have way more music than we probably should did they were they were they collectors as well or
1: they just no they uh they weren't they weren't collectors like like we are like a lot of people that are listening to this this show are um i mean i mom and dad had when they got married they got married in 92 they can you know combined their vinyl and cds and i remember as a little kid thinking that my dad had a lot of cds um but, you know, looking back at it, if you go, because they're all still in the basement at home at mom and dad's house, they, I mean, maybe uh, 150 or so CDs. So it's not a crazy amount, you know, compared to like, what we have. What's, what's your collection like for, for those listening? So my, um, for those that are watching, I mean, essentially behind me, those are, that's all my vinyl, um, with the exception of about 40 that are in my bedroom, which are my jazz and holiday records. I keep those in a separate um, bin. So I'll probably have, I don't know, 150, 200. I probably say closer to 200 records. Um, I actually today moved some um, space in every one of my little cubicles in, on my um, bin here. And then CDs, I definitely have a lot more. I'm, I'm getting more into vinyl now, but CDs are definitely where I have the majority of my music um, located on um, format wise. But Again, with with mom and dad, I mean, they had records. And I remember because we actually we had our basement flood um, several years ago and a lot of the records were damaged with water and they just smelled terrible, you know, and like they were tossed. But I mean, like mom, the stuff that she brought when they were married, she had stuff like Foreigner and 38 Special and Sticks. Nice. Like she was seeing like Sticks, you know, growing up when she was dating guys and going out with friends and Foreigner. Um, And my dad was bringing like Elton John, him and his sister, huge Elton John fans. My dad can pull up until about like the blue moves or even the early 80s era Elton. They could tell you like all the deep cuts, what albums they're from. Um, I got to see Elton twice. The last time was with my dad in um, Charlotte, North Carolina on his farewell tour. So that was a special moment. It was my dad's first time seeing Elton. Um, So they didn't really have a, a collection. But again, a lot of the stuff that dad listened to growing up, ended up staying behind at his parents' house um, or just, you know, being lost in moves and that sort of thing. So they they weren't collectors, but again, they enjoyed music. I know dad had all sorts of cassette tapes, you know, because he was driving back and forth from Virginia to um, North Dakota when he was in the Air Force. And I remember one of the things that he listened to a lot was Born in the USA by Springsteen. He had that tape on repeat um, in his truck, and so he was, you know, listening to that, d- pulling all nighters, getting home for family emergencies and that sort of thing. Um, so, not really collectors, but you know, a lot of their original records are still kind of lingering at the house, at mom and dad's house, but not, not to the extent that we are vinyl. And we had, we had a big stereo system, and I remember every now and then they put on a record, but it was mostly. You know, as a little kid, cassette tapes and then um, our CD player in the kitchen, which is where we listen to a lot of our music, was during supper um, in the kitchen.
0: Nice. My dad definitely was a collector, as as I mentioned, and I've I've said this on my YouTube channel before. He had, what I say, four or five hundred records probably and, and all really good stuff. And unfortunately, when he passed away in 2009, Um, I had the unenviable task of dealing with cleaning out the house and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and looking after my mom, who was not of sound mind at that point in time, understandably so. And my deepest regret is I kept some stuff from his collection, but damn it, I didn't keep nearly enough. You know, Mm. I'm glad I didn't keep the whole thing because I would not have listened to the whole thing. But there's stuff that I'm buying now and I go, yeah, dad had that. Dad yeah, had that. I kept the stuff that was really important. So I had, I had all his Beatles records. I actually took his Beatles... when I when I moved out when I was in university. He let me take the Beatles records, and then when he passed away, I went through and I took, you know, Creedence and some Fleetwood Mac and you know, a bunch of other stuff. I took the stuff that was really important, but I, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind at that point either. That I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, what should I take, but. I think, and I actually think his passing, because it was such a massively traumatic experience for me, music was what got me through it. It really was, because it kind of helped me feel connected to him, which it still does to this day. Um, And record collecting really took off for me at that point. I i started collecting in in the 90s um when no one was buying records everyone was buying cds and i i have a fair amount of cds too i probably have i don't know five six hundred cds don't listen to them anymore generally not i'm not i'm not one of those snobs like i don't like cds it's just you know whatever i've got most of it on vinyl i have all of it digitally so they're there or whatever but records, vinyl, was always my thing, and I, I always I started in the '90s, and I always collected. And if a new album came out, you know, in the 2000s, if an album came out and it was available on vinyl, I would get it on vinyl. It Was always my preferred thing. But I definitely inherited the sort of collecting bug from dad, and it it's still yeah. it's still it's still running rampant today. Which you know it's. Um, Whatever it is, what it is, and it gives it gives us something to uh, to talk about in terms of uh, you know on YouTube or whatever. Um, because your parents were music fans, uh, was there any sort of uh, did they provide any kind of, of of sort of informal guidance about how how you how you collect records? And, and I mentioned this because I've had this conversation with our friend Jason Arsenault when he and I did an episode when we were talking about how he entered record collecting and he said you know he didn't have anyone you know his parents weren't into it and he started collecting and he's like well maybe i'll just get one of those cheap record players and see if i like it but then he talked himself out of it and got something a little bit better and sort of had to educate himself were you the same way or was there any sort of parental guidance there but you know Here's how you get a decent turntable and, you know, this is what you're looking for or you just figured it out yourself.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of self-education. I mean, obviously, I mean, I had a couple of records, I think before I had a vinyl, I mean, again, a lot of those mom and dads that I would, you know, kind of practice with because I remember one year um, for Christmas, you know, I had a Crossley, you know, the classic Crossley uh, suitcase, players under the tree and, I, actually the Abbey Road album that I held up was my first record that that's the 2009 copy. And so that's, that's the very first record that I had. And I remember listening to it on that crossley and loving it and thinking like, Oh, this is so cool, blah, blah, blah. And I specifically remember over time, like, you know, different birthdays over the next two or three years um, I was getting occasional records as gifts. But again, I wasn't obsessive about it. I wasn't like, Oh, I want records, records, records. But I remember specifically, and I remember the record itself was um, the Brian Wilson album, No Peer Pressure that came out in 2014. It was a double album. It was 180 gram vinyl. And I remember mom and dad gave me that for my birthday. And I remember specifically the first spin of that on that Crossley turntable, it skipped. And I was thinking like, that's, that shouldn't be skipping. I was like, well, maybe it was just a fluke. And then like, I moved to another song where I flipped because it was a two-record set. I moved to the other record. It skipped. And I remember I also got – Willie Nelson put out an album called uh, That's Life where he did um, Sinatra covers. And I had that record, brand-new, colored vinyl, and put it on the Crossley, and it skipped. And I was like, all right. So I started kind of doing some investigation, talked to a couple of friends, and they're like, Yeah, that's that's not the record. That's that's that turntable because over time it loses a lot of that, you know, that that stability and you know, you just can't rely on it. And they're like over time it'll damage the record, especially if you start getting, you know, old records from the sixties and seventies that are antiques, you know, for all intents and purposes they are. Mm-hmm. Or again, the hundred eighty gram vinyl, which is like not meant for that kind of turntable. It's too heavy, it's too thick. And so that's when I started Wanting like I stopped playing records on my Crosley for a while, and it, it hurt me because I'm like I can't play records, and I've got all these new records that I've only spun once if at all, and so again, mom and dad didn't know a lot about it. Um, and actually, um, a buddy of of the VC um, George Allen, who um, is currently on hiatus with his channel, he sent me a turntable. Um, oh, that's nice of him. No, know, Knowing that I was in need of one. It was, you know, an older, I think it was a Sony. Um, it was an older, like, belt drive turntable. I mean, it was solid. And he shipped it at the time. I think he was, he shipped it from Tennessee or Kentucky to, to Virginia. And I think something happened in shipping with it. I, I played it for a good bit, but it was also causing some, some issues. Um, and I think it was just a spare that he had that he never used but I think in some of the shipping, some of the banging around um, cause he, he self-packed it, um, it. There was some skipping to it. So last Christmas I received a Fluence um, turntable and that thing has been wonderful. And that was from, you know, dad from, you know, searching reviews and that sort of thing. Didn't ask input. He got, it, he's like, this is like the top rated, like mid range turntable that that's out there. And there's like, you know, hope you like it and uh, it, it's playing beautifully because again the, the 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 other turntable the sony it was only playing in 33 rpm the 45 mode was not great um so there was there were just a lot of hiccups with it and again i'm very appreciative of it um but that fluence really upped the game for me and that's when i was like okay now i really want to start getting into this again i started collecting quite a bit um you know cds especially toward the end of COVID, like really getting into it and then 20 late 2021 2022 that's when i started really going out and really doing some crate digging um keeping up with artists that were putting out you know vinyl exclusives record store day i didn't do record store day until 2022 i think early 2022 so i've only done that for two or three times um, with the black friday ones thrown in there so though mom and dad were that instrumental part in getting me that crossly and the first that abbey road record it, it did kind of become up to me watching videos um on youtube and i don't even like read articles i was just kind of going by that talking to a couple of buddies that i've met through youtube giving me advice and you know from that point i'm really pleased so forth you know for this apartment for where i am located I'm, I'm happy with how it sounds. And that's kind of what it comes down to is just if you're happy with how it sounds, it's not audio file material, like our buddy Jason, but um, <laughs> yep. it's, uh, it, it, it works for this, this little space that I have right now.
0: Well, that's all that matters. I, I was fortunate that I sort of had, you know, dad, dad was my sort of Jedi master in this whole thing. Um, you know, he, he sort of instilled upon me the importance of having a decent, stereo he was never an audiophile. Um and I'm certainly not. Uh if that's if that's what gets your motor running, you know, hats off to you. Not my thing. Um but I do believe in having, you know, something that's reasonable quality. You know, not to knock those suitcase style things, but they're really they're novelty items. They're not for serious Consumption, so you know you gotta have a decent amplifier and a decent turntable and a nice pair of speakers. And you know if it you hit the nail on the head, if it sounds good to you, that's all that matters. And, that, and that's 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 what Dad taught me. And I remember when I was first starting buying records, I was buying you know Beatles records, and thankfully all of mine are original first pressings. Canadian, because I'm in Canada. Um, because they were easy to find at the time, because no one gave a damn because it was the height of the CD boom. But one thing I always remember dad telling me is just because you see it, don't necessarily buy it. Take a look at it, take it out, take a look at the record. Is it in reasonable condition? Because these at that time were 30-year-old records. And you know we've all seen those records from the sixties. People would write their name on it because they'd take it to the to the party, and the disc would get played and it would get tossed around, and maybe at the end of the night it would find its way <laughs> back. So they they were they were well loved. So he's you know they don't have to be pristine, but just make sure if you're gonna if you're gonna buy a record that it's in good shape and that the jacket's in good shape, and you know just some of the the basic you know sort of guidelines. So I was quite sort of thankful for that. Um, that sort of musical education. I mean, vinyl collecting in 1994 was not nearly as serious as it is now, but it was still nice to have someone that sort of steered me in the right direction of how, how to get the most out of the experience. And the other thing that's, that's actually kind of funny. I remember just before I got into record collecting, my dad used to take i was i was collecting like baseball cards in like nineteen ninety two because I was like twelve and that was a thing and the city that I live in on the same weekend at the university in the basement of the one building they had the sports card show and upstairs was the vinyl the record show, and we would go and we'd do the baseball thing I just want to go to the record thing for like ten minutes and this was like a year or two before I got into vinyl and he used to drag me through and I'm like Oh, I hate this. Oh, yeah. I hate this. And then once I got into vinyl, then we started going to record shows together, and it was great. And what I wouldn't give to go to a record show with him now, because yeah. he died just, just before the vinyl boom started, the vinyl resurgence, and he would have just been in his heyday. But do you, along that line, do you do you get to go record shopping with your dad? Is that a, is that a thing? Does
1: does he care about it to the same extent you do, or? No, my, my dad's, my dad's big hobby. Um, my dad's a very avid reader and he, he's a huge history buff. So like my dad, if you were to see, you know, his nightstand, I mean, he reads four or five books at a time. Like, wow. I just, for Christmas, like I gave him a, it was a book, it was a political book. I won't mention who or what it was about, but um, he, that's what he wanted for Christmas and he's got books, you know, for politicians on both sides of the, of the, the aisle. He, he loves reading his presidential autobiographies. He loves, um, you know, reading things like on Winston Churchill or like, you know, civil war battle tactics and like reading about <laughs> stuff like that. And, and then, you know, mom's thing in terms of, you know, her, her deep hobbies, mom, mom loves to be outside. Um, I mean, she loves to do that sort of thing. She loves um, being with people and just going out and, spending time with her old friends from high school and doing that sort of thing. Um, and I mean, mom's not really a shopper, so she doesn't really go out. Dad is definitely not a shopper. Dad's much more introverted. Um, I'm I'm kind of a a good mix of both of them in my personality, but you've done some concerts with your parents though. I think you mentioned, I have, have, I've done several. So yeah, like I said, my first one was Gordon Lightfoot with both. I've seen Brian Adams with both. Um, trying to think in terms of like, I've, I've, I've gone to, you know, I saw Jerry Seinfeld with both of them. Um, so like they like to go out and about and do things like that. But I've also done solo shows. Like again, the second time I saw Gordo was with dad. I saw Elton with dad. I've seen Bob Dylan with dad and with mom once. Um, so I've seen Van Morrison. I've seen John prime with my mom. So for whatever, you know, the, whoever the artist is, I'll, you know, ask a parent like, Hey, do you want to go to this? Or if it's somebody that, you know, we all like, like when we like my whole family, one time, my mom and dad and my two sisters, one time, we, all of, all five of us went to go see Bob Dylan, um, and that was a really cool thing. Um, one of the I few bet. concerts that we've all been to. Actually, it might be the uh, Dad and Brian Wilson are the only two concerts I believe that all five members of my family went to. You know, I once um, seeing Brian Wilson on his Pet Sounds tour, which I know you saw. I did. My mom and I
0: went, it, it, which is interesting. My mom, I mentioned, not not a big music fan, but before I was born, her and Dad would go to concerts all the time. So after Dad passed away, Mom and I went to a number of concerts together. Brian Wilson, um, we saw Neil Diamond, which was awesome. Um, there, there's, there's, there's been a bunch of been many concerts with my mom, and sadly, only one with my dad, which is uh, unfortunate. But it's a great, it's a great story. Um, his one of his favorite bands is Fleetwood Mac, and. So when they toured for the Say You Will album, which was the rumors line up without Christine McVie, um, I surprised my dad with tickets and he loved it. Never seen the man so happy in my life. Um, the only time he and I ever got to go to a concert together, which is uh, sadly unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is, you know, so. Yeah. It, uh, it's the cards were dealt, but at least I got to have that experience with them. So it's great to sure. get to do so many of those with, with both your parents. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Love it. You mentioned back in the beginning, how your parents tastes sort of influenced yours. And you said that now you find some of the music you're listening to. You, your parents are appreciating now. Do you want to talk about that for a minute?
1: Yeah. Again, I know. Cause again, I know what my parents like. So, like, for example, with my mom, who again had kind of like that camp upbringing, I know that she still loves a good acoustic singer-songwriter. She loves a good gravelly, rough voice. So I I got my mom into Justin Towns Earl, Steve Earl's son, yep. and into uh, Lucas Nelson, yep. which is funny because my mom does not care for William Nelson at all. She doesn't, she doesn't care for his voice. She thinks he's talented, but she does not – she can't get – and to Willie Nelson, which is funny because Lucas sounds so similar to Willie, but the musical style is a little different than Willie. I mean, he, he right. kind of leans more toward a rock right. vein. Um, so that sort of stuff, I've, I've got my mom into. And obviously, you know, like there are, there are songs like I'll see like a one song by an artist and I'll send it to both of them. I'll be like, y'all will like this. Like I'm a big fan of the avid brothers. A lot of times there'll be an Avett Brothers song, or the Avett Brothers covering a song that I know that they like, and I'll send it to them individually, and they'll be like, "That's great, that's awesome." Um, and again, with, I mentioned my dad, who was not big into like '60s music. Like he—he he still doesn't care for '50s music, which I like. I like doo-wop and stuff. But oh yeah, me too. It's great. He—he um, he thought he thought the—he still thinks the lyrics are just a little too simplistic. Because again, he loves the big bands. Crooner stuff, so you're getting these songwriters like the Gershwin's, Irving no. Berlin, with these deep lyrics, you know. And then you have, you but know, the point of doo-wop is not deep lyrics; it's vocal exactly. harmonies. It's about the harmonies, but yeah. it's just one of those things that he just sure. never lodged onto. I get it, I get it. Um, but the '60s, again, with his upbringing, because he was listening, like his sisters were listening to the Beatles and Elton John, and uh, you know CCR into the '70s. So I think a lot of it came down to like a lot of things that were going on in his life as a little kid that he wants to kind of get away from. He kind of just avoided a lot of that stuff. But then, when I really was getting into the Beatles, and they were a prime example, um, he—I mean, he—he he thought they were just like a, a drug band, a druggy band, <laughs> <laughs> to an extent. Sure. Um, cause I, I'm sure my dad will will watch this. Um, but I say, dad. My, Hey, Dad. Um, and Mom, I'm sure she will too. But um, but I remember playing the song a day in the life for dad. And he like, cause he was like genuinely asking about the Beatles and like what they were doing, like in this recording and this sort of thing. Cause at that point, again, I'm reading all the, the beetle books and, you know, with the liner notes and stuff like that. Um, and so like, I was telling him about a day in the life and you know, how Paul wanted the big buildup with the crescendo with the orchestra and just blah, blah, blah. And that's become like, I think that's become like a top five Beatles song for dad when, you know, 20 years ago, he never would have listened to Sergeant Pepper right. ever. And I don't know that my dad's ever listened fully to Sergeant Pepper um, as a full album, but he's listened to a lot of those tracks. And again, getting him into stuff like, you know, the zombies one of my favorite bands that aren't talked about enough because they just had a small catalog, but listening to like the zombies stuff or even like deeper, deeper cuts by like Bob Dylan. Cause my dad liked Bob Dylan as a kid. Um, but like getting my dad into like deeper Bob Dylan cuts or getting my mom into, you know, um, you know, I don't even know, like some Tom Petty cuts. Cause she kind of knew Tom Petty for his hits and a couple <laughs> right. of cuts, like getting her into some of that. And then, you know, sharing a love of Van Morrison with her and like talking about like sending her a song now and being like, Hey, I just heard this song for the first time. And she's like, Oh, I forgot about that one. was a good one. But it's like, it's not a song she would ever listen to because she doesn't have the records anymore. So stuff like that. I mean, we're always sending stuff, and even now she'll like send something. She'll be like, "This would be a good one for you to learn," or Dad will send one. This will be good for you to learn. Or, do you know this artist? Or like, my dad will send me a, a, a CD just randomly because he thinks I would like it. So, it's it's great to have parents that you know support it and you know that, get behind. That's it.
0: that's something I miss because I mean I remember. When I dove in, it was it was Beatles first, right? And it, it got into other stuff like The Band and um, Fleet Mac and, you know, whatever. But my dad was always like, it's great that you're listening to this, but let me introduce you to something else. And he'd mm-hmm. give me, like, Howlin' Wolf or, you know, whatever. That's the one that sticks in my mind. Always try to broaden my musical horizons and I never got to reciprocate that. And I think... Yeah. Um, What I was listening to in 2009, primarily when he passed away, would not have been stuff that he was interested in. But a lot of what I listen to now, I think he would really dig. And it's unfortunate that I don't get that opportunity to reciprocate because I I wouldn't appreciate music the way that I do if it had not been for his influence. But it's great that you've got that. You mentioned that your mom and dad may watch this. Do they watch any of your YouTube stuff? Do they think... Boy, is Sam's Sam's crazy with
1: his uh, obsessive record collection, or they think it's a kind of a neat thing? I think they think it's neat. I think they've kind of realized. I mean, because they'll come over here to to the apartment um, and say you know, like, "Oh, you got a that's a lot of records." But again, at the same time, we just had Christmas, and I've got you know so many great you know box sets and and vinyl records and that's CDs. Um, so I mean, they, that's just what I like. Again, Dad has tons of books. Um, It's like we all have kind of that thing, you know, my, looking at my grandfather, you know, mom's dad, I mean, he is, he's a huge gardening outdoorsy guy. So he's got all these tools and flower pots. I just, dozens of flower pots that he just has because you know they had flowers in them at one time and he keeps them just in case right. and it's kind of like us with vinyl records and like why it's hard to purge sometimes because we're right. like well just in case i want to hear this you know
0: i might want to hear this, that one song that i haven't listened to in 10 this years one
1: song from you know king creole like an elvis soundtrack or something like right. that like I'll, i'm to hear that yep. but I'll, at least i have it because again i'm not a spotify guy i'm not right a, me neither I'm not an iTunes guy. Um, I was at, at the time when I had an iPod because everybody thought it was cool. And I thought it was cool being in middle school with you know earbuds. But um, no, I mean I just I, I I love having it here and it brings me it brings me comfort. I mean again, because me both. You know I'm a guy. Just I'm a single guy in this apartment. You know I've got this that like kind of like fuels me to you know, to learn and to, to, to grow, um, outside of, you know, just my day-to-day work life, um, going yep. into the office. This is like the thing that I use to expand my brain outside of, outside of work. So Yeah,
0: me as well, I've got a seven year old son and I hope someday he takes an interest, but right now he goes, Oh dad, you and your records. So yeah, yeah. I don't know whether the generational influence will continue, but, uh, who knows who knows well everybody that will do it for this episode thank you everybody for listening thank you everyone f- for watching on youtube those that are uh, i will leave links to uh sam st john's channel on youtube for those that want to check it out please do uh, incredibly knowledgeable guy uh about a wide variety of music and i think he's got a lot to offer so thank you for joining me sam it was a pleasure thank you rob all right, everybody, this has been another episode of the Vinyl Community Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip side.